At All Souls, we believe that Jesus is good news for London. We believe he's good news from Highgate to Hackney. We believe he's good news from Peckham to Park Lane. We believe that he is good news from the Royal Albert Hall to Ministry of Sound. We believe he's good news whether you've got a personality as big as the O2 or whether you're new to the city and you feel a bit like you've pulled into the fast lane of the M25, but you're stuck in first gear. We believe that Jesus is good news for London. But our series in Mark's Gospel is helping us answer the inevitable follow-up question. If Jesus really is good news for London, then why does so much of London seem to disagree? Whether you're interviewing for a promotion or you're getting to know your new flatmates, I'm what you'd call an evangelical Christian. Well, that's the sort of sentence that tends to be received more as an apology than an invitation. If Jesus is good news for London, then why does so much of London seem to so strongly disagree? We're only a few pages into Mark's gospel, and already Mark has us asking something similar. Mark's account opened with a bang, one verse one, the beginning of the good news about Jesus. But just a few pages later in Mark 3 verse 6, Jerusalem's brightest and best leaders are plotting to kill this person that Mark has told us is good news. So in the rest of chapters three and four, Mark is helping us make sense of that hostility. He's helping us understand how the good news of one verse one and the hostility of three verse six, how those two things can go together and how we should make sense of a world that receives Jesus's good news as though it's bad. In today's passage, verses 20 to 30 of chapter three, Mark is going to do that by dissecting the strength and persistence of that hostility. He's going to help us understand what has to happen mentally and spiritually in order for three verse six to happen. Specifically, the mental knots you have to tie yourself in if you really do want to reject Jesus. And it begins with the biggest lie that this world can find. Verse 22. You have to feel a bit for the teachers of the law because it isn't easy to be hostile to Jesus. Mark tells us they were looking for a reason to accuse him, but their problem is that reason will have to be really, really big. Because if you're going to reject Jesus, well, your reason for rejecting him has to be at least as big as he is. And he is really big. If you're going to reject Jesus, you have to really reject him. For three chapters, the scale of Jesus's power has been living up to the scale of his promises. He's said things that only God can say, and he's done things that only God is able to do. He is out teaching the teachers of the law. He is out spreading the spread of leprosy. He is out terrifying the terror of demons. If God had been born in Bethlehem, Jesus is the man he would have grown up to be. So if you're determined to rule out that explanation... Well, you are going to need to find an explanation that's of comparable size. 
And there just aren't that many explanations that are willing to punch that hard. There aren't many explanations that set themselves up as rivals for the Son of God. Although there is one who is willing to give it a go, and it's Satan. Maybe Jesus is so powerful because he's possessed by Satan. Maybe demons are terrified of him because he is himself the prince of demons. So that's what the teachers of the law come up with. They've been looking for a reason to accuse him, verse 2. They've started plotting for how they might kill him, verse 6. And now, verse 22, they are kicking off their plan with the biggest lie they can find. Because to reject someone as big as Jesus, your reasons will have to be as big as he is. And if you're going to reject what is obviously true about him, well, you're going to need the biggest lie that you can find. Can I say, if you are determined to rule out Jesus' own claims about himself, this is actually the best option that's left. Because whatever option you pick, it will need to be as big as Jesus is. And this is the only option that is big enough to really reject him without being so big that you actually have to worship him. Every other option is way too small to explain him, except for the one that is so big that you have to build your whole life around him. And even if you refuse to believe that Jesus is God, even if you refuse to believe that Jesus ever did anything miraculous, even if you refuse to believe that he ever did anything or said anything uniquely impressive, well, that still doesn't solve the problem of how big Jesus is, Because there are very, very few things that centuries of people from right around the world agree about. But for the past 2,000 years, billions of people from thousands of languages and every kingdom and nation on earth, well, they've all been worshipping Jesus. And if the whole world started worshipping Jesus without him ever performing a single miracle well, that might just be the biggest miracle of them all. As soon as you start to treat Jesus like he's genuinely unremarkable, well, you're forced to conclude that he is utterly unique. And if you refuse to believe that he is uniquely divine, well, the only option left is that he is uniquely demonic. So if you are here this evening and you've already decided in your heart that you are definitely ruling out worshipping Jesus, can I extend a slightly strange invitation? You should try denouncing him as Satan. Why? Well, it's the best option you've got left. Every other option is just far too small to explain him, except for the one that is so big that you have to build your life around him. If you want to actually reject Jesus... You have to really reject Jesus. So verse 22, look down. The teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, he is possessed by Beelzebul, by the prince of demons. He is driving out demons. In order to actually reject Jesus, they had to really reject Jesus. To reject someone as big as Jesus, their reasons had to be as big as his. And to reject what is obviously true about him, 
well, they needed the biggest lie that they could find, which takes us to Jesus' response. One, the biggest lie that this world can find. Well, two, tie it up in the tightest of knots. It isn't easy to be hostile to Jesus, and Jesus is about to prove it. The teachers of the law have been looking for a reason to accuse him. They've put their heads together with the Herodians, and they're kicking off their plan with the world's biggest lie. By the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. So verse 23, Jesus calls them over, and he just absolutely picks them apart. Verse 23, look down. How can Satan drive out Satan? Verse 26, if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he can't stand. His end has come. Jesus has been running around Judea and Galilee, driving out demons, liberating the possessed, and plundering Satan. And the teachers of the law have watched him do that, And the best explanation they can give for the scale of what he's doing is, I guess maybe he's probably satanic. It is the biggest lie they can find, but it isn't even a good lie. After three sentences of exposure to the reality of Jesus, it just completely falls apart. Verse 24, if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom can't stand. Verse 25, if a house is divided against itself, that house can't stand. So verse 26, if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he can't stand. His end has come. They need a really big reason to reject someone as big as Jesus. And the biggest lie they can find is to call Jesus' power satanic, to which Jesus says, if that's true, then Satan must be so divided, so fragile, and so self-destructive that, well, he's on the very brink of falling apart. The best lie they can find to explain the scale of Jesus' power is Satan has been punching himself in the face which would make Satan's power so laughably fragile, so absurdly self-destructive, well, that it could never be a big enough explanation for everything that Jesus has been doing. The best lie they can find for how strong Jesus is is that he's been beating himself up this whole time, that that isn't strength, that is self-destruction. It's incoherent, it's inconsistent, it's the best lie they can find, and it's not even a good lie, And they've had to twist the logic so tightly to tell it that they've tied themselves up in all sorts of knots. Ultimately, that is the only way you can fully and finally reject someone as big as Jesus. The only way you can fully and finally reject someone like him is by tying yourself up in the big lies that you're using to reject him offering up bigger and bigger explanations for what becomes a smaller and smaller Jesus. Maybe you've heard some of them. His miracles were exaggerated. His teaching wasn't special. His followers were liars. His story is derivative. At some point, you have to stop and ask, how would such a small and unremarkable man 
end up turning the entire world upside down? How would someone so inconsequential have such universal consequences? Ultimately, the only way you can fully and finally reject someone as big as Jesus, well, it's if you're willing to lose sight of reality. And that is an uncomfortable place to be. Last week, we saw that the leaders from Jerusalem thought they could kick Jesus out and take Israel with them. The army, the temple, the capital city, the throne. But Jesus is God's king no matter what people think of him. And Israel received her reality from her connection to him. So by rejecting Jesus, well, they had lost the one that gave substance to all of those shadows. Without Jesus, well, it would only be a matter of time before the throne and the capital and the temple started dissolving into dust around them. They could not keep hold of God's kingdom while rejecting his king. They could not hold on to reality while rejecting Jesus, the source of reality. And we see here they can't hold on to logic while lying about Jesus, who is the fountain of all truth. So if they persist in that lie, well, it will only be a matter of time before everything else that they thought was true starts dissolving into shadows. Ultimately, the only way you can fully and finally reject Jesus is by stepping out of Jesus's reality and stepping into the dark world of Satan. And being in Satan's possession is not a happy place to be because Satan ties his knots with the most twisted of lies. Friends, Mark has a really stark warning for us here. It's a warning for us, but it's also a warning for a world that is trying to build itself on lies. And it's the same warning that Isaiah spoke seven centuries beforehand in Isaiah 5 verse 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Their roots will decay and their flowers blow away like dust, for they have rejected the law of the Lord Almighty. These verses are a warning, but they aren't just a warning. They're also an explanation, and they're also a comfort. They're an explanation for why it feels so disorienting to live in a city that is rejecting Jesus. Because to actually reject Jesus, you have to really reject Jesus. You need lies that are as big as he is, and he is the source of all reality. So the lies will need to be pretty massive. Maybe you notice some of them in the adverts on the way in today. The future isn't what it used to be. Technology will save us. Good things come to those who don't wait. Impatience is a virtue. Progress is never done. There is no finish line. You are yours to make up, so make yourself in your own image. Our city and our society is held together by a tight knot of twisted lies, and living among lies, well, that is always going to be very uncomfortable for children of the truth. Whether those lies are in our cities, in our families, in our schools, or even in our churches. That's the explanation. And here's the comfort. 
you're not crazy. The lies may look very big and very powerful, and the people telling them they might look very important. But after three sentences of exposure to the reality of Jesus, they will completely fall apart. You're not crazy. Jesus is just very hard work to keep on resisting. It takes a lot of lies for the world to keep rejecting him. One, the biggest lie that this world can find. Well, two, tie it up in the tightest knots. And three, those knots could last forever. It isn't easy to be hostile to Jesus. You need big lies and twisted logic. And the stark truth is that those mental and spiritual knots, well, they might be inescapable. To twist your logic so tightly that you are calling Jesus satanic, well, you have to step fully away from reality. And you might never be able to get back in. Jesus has been running around Judea and Galilee, plundering Satan. But if these leaders have rejected him as a demon, well, who is left to tie up Satan and free them from his tyranny? Verse 27, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Jesus is the source of all reality and fountain of all truth. But if these leaders have used big lies and twisted logic to reject him, well, who is left that could ever correct them? Who is left to tie up Satan? Without him, the lies will last forever. The slander will last forever. And the guilt will never be forgiven. Because the only person who could loosen the lies... And the only person who could forgive the guilt is the very person that they are persistently rejecting. Which leads to verse 28 and Jesus' most sobering warning. Look down, verse 28. Truly I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. It is a sobering thought. And it is a verse that has caused a lot of anxiety. But fortunately, Jesus does tell us exactly what he means. Whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. Not because God would refuse to be merciful, but because they are guilty of an eternal a never-ending sin. It isn't that God would be unwilling to forgive them. It's that they will never stop rejecting the one who ministers his forgiveness. They will never be forgiven because they will never stop refusing to be. And at this point, let me briefly say some things that this verse doesn't mean. This verse is absolutely not about people who show scepticism towards those who claim to have a prophecy from the Holy Spirit. Neither is it about people who have said something untrue or sinful about the Holy Spirit and sought forgiveness. It is only by the Spirit that you can ask for God's forgiveness. So if you are asking God for his forgiveness, 
well, you can be very, very sure that the Spirit has not abandoned you. Now, this verse is about those who persist in calling Jesus satanic and his spirit impure. That persistent sin, well, it will keep on going because the only one who could bring deliverance from it is the very one being deliberately resisted. The spirit is full of mercy towards sinners like us. But it is possible to keep denying that mercy. The truth can correct any lie, but some lies will keep on refusing correction. It isn't easy to be hostile to Jesus, but it is possible. You need big lies and twisted logic, but it is possible. And it's possible that the knots you have to tie yourself up in will last forever. The biggest lie that this world can find will tie it up in the tightest of knots, and those knots could last forever. So all souls, number four, stay close to Jesus. Stay close to Jesus, because in his presence, lies come undone. Stay close to Jesus, because by his words, Satan gets bound. Stay close to Jesus, because through his spirit, did you notice, people can be forgiven all their sins, and every slander that they utter. Stay close to Jesus because the only mistake you could make that will last forever is rejecting him. Jesus is good news for London, but London is a hard place to live for people who follow him. Jesus is good news from Highgate to Hackney and from Peckham to Park Lane, but Peckham and Park Lane, Highgate and Hackney, Brixton and Battersea and Belgravia Well, these are uncomfortable places to live for followers of Jesus. They're uncomfortable places to live because our society and our city is built around a tight knot of twisted lies and living among lies, well, that will always be uncomfortable for children of the truth. So friends, stay close to Jesus. Listen to him. Become like him. Spend time with his people. Spend time in his words. Stay close to Jesus because it isn't easy to be hostile to him. You need big lies and twisted logic. But after three sentences of exposure to the reality of Jesus, the lies of these leaders fell apart. And one day, all the other lies will too. As the band comes up, let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, it isn't easy to be hostile to you, but this world is really trying. Thank you that lies come undone in your presence. Thank you that your words bind Satan. And thank you that through your spirit, you forgive every sin and you loose every slander. We pray that as we live in this city that's just full of all sorts of lies, you would keep us close to you. And keep us looking for that day when all the lies fall apart, knowing as we do that no one can stand against us when you are for us. And so we pray all these things with very great confidence, for we pray them in your almighty name. Amen.